0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy found under the cardiovascular section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 17-year-old boy is rushed to the emergency room after collapsing on the basketball court during a game. He is found to have a ventricular arrhythmia on electrocardiogram and died en route to the hospital. Prior to this event, he had a few episodes of syncope. His family history includes sudden cardiac death in two maternal uncles. Autopsy reveals markedly hypertrophic interventricular septum. Let's continue with an introduction to hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Clinically, it is defined as a cardiomyopathy characterized by ventricular hypertrophy and diastolic dysfunction. Conditions associated with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy include Frederick's ataxia, and Pompe disease, which is type 2 glycogen storage disease. Risk factors for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy include a family history of sudden cardiac death. In terms of the etiology, familial inheritance is the most common. With regards to the pathogenesis, there is ventricular concentric hypertrophy, typically of the septum, from sarcomeres being added in parallel. This decreases the left ventricular compliance, which results in diastolic dysfunction. Then the ventricles become hypercontractile and systole occurs rapidly. Then patients will develop hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. In fact, this disease is obstructive in most patients, up to 70%. There will be left ventricular outflow tract obstruction caused by asymmetric septal hypertrophy and systolic anterior motion of the mitral valve. And with regards to the genetics, the inheritance pattern will be autosomal dominant, and the mutations will be on chromosome 14 in genes encoding sarcomere proteins. Specifically, these will be the myosin-binding protein C and beta-myosin-heavy chain genes. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will involve syncope during exercise, dyspnea on exertion, angina, palpitations, and sudden death from ventricular arrhythmia. On physical exam, one may note a S4 gallop, which is a sign of left ventricular hypertrophy, as well as a systolic murmur without radiation to the carotids. This murmur will increase with the valsalva and with standing up because there is a decrease in preload, and it will decrease with hand grip, which increases afterload, and with squatting, which increases afterload and increases preload. There will also be mitral regurgitation. In terms of other imaging, echocardiography is indicated for all patients as a diagnostic test. Specific findings will include that the patient may have a normal injection fraction, but there will be hypertrophy of the ventricular walls and the interventricular septum and there will be systolic anterior motion of the mitral valve with mitral regurgitation. In terms of other studies, electrocardiogram findings will include left ventricular hypertrophy and the patient may have ventricular arrhythmias. On histology, one may note tangled and disoriented myofibrils, and when making the diagnosis, remember that it is based on clinical presentation and echocardiogram findings. And with regards to the differential, make sure to think about restrictive cardiomyopathy, with distinguishing factors being that there will be a Kusmal sign on physical exam and the electrocardiogram may demonstrate low voltages. Also think about dilated cardiomyopathy, with distinguishing factors being that the echocardiogram will demonstrate a reduced ejection fraction and there will be progressive heart failure. And in terms of treatment, the management approach typically involves beta blockers and calcium channel blockers. And diuretics may be used cautiously in patients without left ventricular outflow tract obstruction. Digoxin and spironolactone do not provide any benefit, however. Conservative options include avoidance of overexertion, especially athletic activities. This is indicated for all patients. Medical treatment options include beta blockers, which are indicated for all patients. Other options include non-dihydropyridine calcium channel blockers. This is indicated for patients who are contraindicated or refractory to beta blockers, and specific drugs would include verapamil operative options include surgical septal myectomy. This is indicated if significant heart failure symptoms persist despite maximal medical therapy or if patients have recurrent syncope judged to be related to hemodynamic compromise from left ventricular outflow tract obstruction. Another option is an implantable cardioverter defibrillator or an ICD. This is indicated in patients with a history of syncope or events seen on a Holter monitor. Complications related to hypertrophic cardiomyopathy include sudden cardiac death from ventricular arrhythmias and heart failure. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that many patients have a normal life expectancy. However, there is a risk of sudden cardiac death in the young athletic population. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 33-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for syncope. The patient reports that while playing soccer, he felt lightheaded and subsequently fainted. He woke up immediately and denied feeling confused following the syncopal episode. He has a history of hypertension that is being managed with diet and exercise, and he smokes one pack of cigarettes per week. He reports that his paternal uncle suddenly died when he was 35 due to a quote-unquote heart problem. His blood pressure is 145 over 105, pulse is 76 beats per minute, and respirations are 16 breaths per minute. Cardiac auscultation demonstrates a two out of six mid-systolic murmur that is best heard in the left sternal border and is increased with Valsalva maneuvers. An electrocardiogram demonstrates prominent Q waves in the inferior and lateral leads along with left axis deviation. An echocardiogram demonstrates a left ventricular wall thickness of 15 millimeters at the basal anterior septum and systolic anterior motion of the mitral valve. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are choice one, alcohol septal ablation, choice two, amlodipine, choice three, cardiac catheterization, choice four, implantable cardioverter defibrillator, or choice five, pacemaker therapy. The best answer to this question is choice four, implantable cardioverter defibrillator. This young athlete's episode of syncope and evidence of left ventricular hypertrophy and systolic anterior motion of the mitral valve is consistent with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. This patient syncopal episode and family history of sudden cardiac death make an implantable cardioverter defibrillator indicated for primary prevention of sudden cardiac death. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is an autosomal dominant genetic disorder involving cardiac sarcomeres. Patients can present with fatigue, dyspnea, chest pain, palpitations, presyncope, and or syncope. Left ventricular hypertrophy can be significant enough to result in a left ventricular outflow tract obstruction. A dangerous consequence of this condition is the development of sudden cardiac death. An implantable cardioverter defibrillator is indicated for the primary and secondary prevention of sudden cardiac death. Primary prevention is indicated if there is a family history of sudden cardiac death, non-sustained ventricular tachycardia, and more than 30 mm maximum ventricular septa while thickening. Secondary prevention is indicated in patients who survived a cardiac arrest or have sustained ventricular arrhythmias. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Alcohol septal ablation is a procedure where the myocardium is locally infarcted in the area of the basal septal muscle. The goal of this procedure is to relieve the obstruction but is typically reserved for when patient symptoms are not relieved with medical therapy. It is not indicated to prevent the development of sudden cardiac death and may increase the risk of developing cardiac arrhythmias such as ventricular tachycardia and sudden cardiac death. Choice two. Amlodipine is a dihydropyridine calcium channel blocker that preferentially decreases systemic vascular resistance, which would worsen the left ventricular outflow tract gradient and lead to tr- obstruction. Of the calcium channel blockers, verapamil is typically used in patients who cannot take beta blockers for symptoms of heart failure. Choice 3. Cardiac catheterization would be considered if evaluating for obstructive coronary disease, when the clinical and imaging studies are discrepant in patients with left ventricular outflow obstruction and precardiac transplants this will not prevent a future sudden cardiac death event. Choice 5. Pacemaker therapy is reserved for patients who are not candidates for myomectomy or alcohol septal ablation to manage symptoms of left ventricular outflow tract obstruction. Pacemaker therapy is not used in decreasing the risk of sudden cardiac death. Finally, a bullet summary. Implantable cardioverter defibrillator is used to prevent sudden cardiac death in patients who have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and an increased risk of developing sudden cardiac death, that is, patients with syncope or a family history of sudden cardiac death. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 24-year-old man presents to the emergency department for palpitations. His girlfriend recently broke up with him, which he believes is causing his symptoms. He also states that he feels short of breath. The patient is given a small dose of lorazepam, and his symptoms resolve. He is otherwise healthy, does not smoke, and occasionally goes for walks. His temperature is 97.9 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.6 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 124 over 84. Pulse is 80 beats per minute. Respirations are 12 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Physical exam is notable for a systolic murmur heard along the left sternal border. An ECG is performed and demonstrates increased voltages in the inferior and lateral leads. Which of the following is the most likely to occur in this patient? And the answer choices are, choice 1, dyspnea upon exertion with chest pain. Choice 2, significant drop in blood pressure upon inhalation. Choice 3, sudden cardiac death. Choice 4, syncope upon exertion. Or choice 5, worsening of symptoms with increased fluid intake. The best answer to this question is, choice four, syncope upon exertion. This patient is incidentally found to have a systolic murmur in an ECG with increased voltages, which is suggestive of hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. The most common presentation of hokum is syncope upon exertion. Hokum typically occurs in young patients. The most common chief complaint is syncope upon exertion from outflow tract obstruction. Otherwise, the disease is discovered incidentally. It occurs secondary to an autosomal dominant defect in the sarcomere proteins of the heart causing a hypertrophied myocardium that can lead to outflow tract obstruction. The diagnosis can be supported with an echocardiogram demonstrating a hypertrophied myocardium with outflow tract obstruction. Treatment involves beta blockers or calcium channel blockers and staying hydrated. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Dyspnea upon exertion with chest pain would be more commonly seen in aortic stenosis. In this young patient, a bicuspid aortic valve could cause early-onset aortic stenosis with a murmur that radiates to the carotids. However, it would not present with increased voltages on ECG. Choice two, significant drop in blood pressure upon inhalation or pulsus paradoxus would be seen in cardiac tamponade, which presents with muffled heart sounds, jugular venous distension, hypotension, tachycardia, and electrical alternance with decreased voltages on chest radiograph. Choice 3. Sudden cardiac death is possible in patients with HOCUM. However, syncope on exertion is a much more common occurrence in HOCUM. Choice 5. Worsening of symptoms with increased fluid intake would be true in heart failure, which presents with dyspnea, crackles and wheezes, and lower extremity pitting edema in the setting of pulmonary edema during a heart failure flare. The symptoms of HOCUM are actually improved with fluid intake as this reduces outflow tract obstruction finally, a bullet summary. Hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy most commonly presents with syncope upon exertion. That's all for this review about hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on medbullets.com.